On half time, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fortiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. You can satisfy him if you try, but it's very often he's unsatisfied because there's so much going on in his world. Carlos Alberto Diego, welcome to you, sir. How are you there, half? Going well, mate. Going well. What's doing? What's doing? Uh, apparently, I'm here to talk one hour of beautiful football. One hour. Yes, one hour. Whole you know, hour. Prime time, Carlos. Yeah, less, less. Subtract a little bit of the ad time, which is all good. About fifty-eight minutes. Then. I don't know, I'm not sure. Minutes. But anyway, here to talk world football. I, as I was driving in, I'm thinking Tommy Rogic. Tommy Rogic. Tommy, he's Rogic, alive. Rogic, uh, the groins are up and uh, up and going, <laughs> and uh, he scored on the weekend. Uh, first game back, uh, you know, in the senior team for a long time. First goal for Celtic. Last appearance uh, before he was crueled by the groin, uh, you know, the, the thing that sort of laid me over yeah, many, uh, many times. And look, many are still talking about yeah. what could have been. With good groins, I could have been anything. For the Alberto Diego. Exactly, you're right. Yes, uh, but uh, two th- September 2013 was his previous game for Celtic. Uh, and uh, basically two years out. And uh, first game, scored a great goal on the weekend. So I was thinking, let's talk about Tommy. Uh, and then, you know, I thought we could throw in Aaron Moy. He's now Moy the marquee, marquee, one of the marquee players, elevated to our marquee player there at Melbourne City. What a great story that is. Uh, and there's a couple of other bits and pieces, good stories going around. EPL season kicked off. Yeah, EPL season. There's a lot of FFA, FFA Cup. Cup. Uh, absolutely. Then I thought, bang, on the phone, these damn, you know, you can't get away from the news, can you, half these days? The technology brings it to you. And just I get this alert on the way in saying, the, there's a problem between the FFA and the PFA. Yes, no, they're not happy. And there's a real possibility. They're not happy. And, you know, I, I think uh, with the NSL back in 78, following it right through that, even the state leagues before that, but there was no real workplace in the state leagues. But the NSL, we started seeing, you know, some decent conditions for players. Uh, Brendan Schwab fought a big, big fight many, many years ago when they start the, uh, started the PFA. In 1993, I believe, they started the PFA. Uh, at no stage have I felt that they were seriously going to go on strike. Mm. But after receiving the memo today, uh, the media release from the, from PFA. the PFA, yep. I, st- I, I believe there's a real possibility that the uh, players could go on strike over this. Uh, they've met 20 times over the collective bargaining agreement and, uh, and questions over whether there should be a freeze to the salary cap over the next two years or not. And they're so far away. I heard you speaking earlier today, half about the fact that they're so far away. They've met 20 times. People are storming out of meetings. Mm. There's so much uh, dislike for each other over these negotiations. Contempt. And, I, and I just, I've got a real feeling that, uh, that we could see a player strike here. Now, if I can throw something out to the listeners out there. Yep. Um, how do you feel about the players going on strike? 
should they do so? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's hard. To, it's hard to have an opinion where they should or shouldn't because we. I'm no, not, sorry. Uh, I'm should, not. Yeah. I'm not. If they choose to do so. That's right. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not privy to the financials here. The FFA is saying there's not enough money in the game. The PFA is saying we want our bigger slice. I mean. Yeah. I just cannot have a an opinion over that until I see the financials, the bona fides, right? Yeah. Uh, but the question is, how would you feel if the players went on strike? And who are the bad guys here if they do go on strike? Will it be the players or will it be the FFA? Because I think both parties have got a heap to lose here, and I'd love to know what the... Rank and file out there, yeah. if I can use that term. Rank and file. Our, our, our listeners. Our listeners, SEM land. What do you think? If the players went on strike, do they have a case in your mind? Or is it greed? Uh, you know, Who will be the losers here by way of the perceptions of them, FFA or the players? Uh, well, let's throw open the lines, 9429-1116. Just to, to your, highlight your point, the release that the PFA sent out today... The bottom paragraph is, well, there's a whole lot of interesting stuff all the way through it, but the bottom paragraph lends itself to what you're suggesting here could be a possibility. The FFA has left the PFA and all the players with no option but to take the necessary steps to secure the rights and well-being of Socceroos, Matildas and A-League players under Australian industrial law. That's right. So that's basically saying, mm. if we don't get what we want, mm. we're going to sit out. And this is just not brinksmanship over one or two meetings. They've met 20 times over the last two years. Uh, people have stormed out of meetings. There's genuine dislike, which worries me. I mean, really, you know, fair dinkum, these, are, these are professional people. People who are negotiating for the FFA are professional people. Yep. People who are negotiating for the PFA, what is, what's this storming out of meetings for? Sit in the room, lock it up, do not let them out of the room, give them food. <laughs> Give him some sustenance. Give him for who but pays do for the not, food. But do not. Uh, who pays for the food? Yeah, good, good question. Good question. Good question. Um, that comes out of the collective bargaining agreement. But the. <laughs> but do not let him out. Of the, what's this storming out of room? Isn't it for the good of the game what we're talking about here? You know, storming out of room and twenty meetings they've had in the last. That's what's been reported anyway in the last two years. Mm. Now I've met some people off the record at the FFA, and I know the people at the PFA. Very good people on both parties. Yep. And both have got the best interests of the game at heart. So why are people storming out of meetings? Really? It's a good question. We'll throw open the lines. 9.49.11.16. Some amazing um, feedback from this PFA release, which we'll get to through the hour as well. But to Paul's in Doncaster wants to discuss the issue with you, Carlos. G'day, Paul. Hi, guys. How are you? Good, buddy. Um, I guarantee you, if Mount Victory or anybody else goes on strike, I'll be stopping my... Uh, membership from that soccer club and six of my other friends are going to do the same thing. We're not being held to ransom by these people. It's a joke. So the, the players don't have a case then, Paul? No, just deal with it. This is every time the FFA and say, the clubs get together, there's always these issues. They just can never sort it out. It's a joke. So you're putting on the FFA or the PFA? Uh, half and half, mate. Half and half. Half and half. Maybe that's why they can't get through the meetings, Carlos, because everyone's everything's half and half. Thank you, Paul. Stay on the line. You got involved early doors like that. When that happens here on halftime, you're going to be rewarded with a fifty dollars voucher to Vito Stone Bar and Grill. You'll love it. One three thousand stone, and every prize winner on SEN at the moment is getting the two Bataki hams and the Coco Hydrate drinks as well. Try the tropical. It's beauty. Thank you, Jeff, uh, Paul, for uh, for your call there, Carlos. Um, just going on average wages, just done some research. The R&D department's done some research on average wages for professional footballers 
in the three codes. Rugby, we haven't gone to, but we've got the A-League, the NRL, and the AFL. The AFL average salary is $265,179. The average salary for an NRL player is around about $200,000. And the average salary for an A-League player is 106, although it rises to 135 if you include mm. marquee payments, yep. which we have to. I think we have to do that. Yep. So about 135. So it's 65 shy of uh, an NRL contract and about, 100 and about half of what the, the AFL contract is. Um, considering the, the size and scope of, of the sport and the coverage it gets and where well, the TV coverage, rights deals. And the, the coverage, mm. where that coverage is, mm. exclusively on pay TV, while with, with the, the SBS ac- action this year, but I'm not sure that's contributing too much to the bottom line. Um, that's probably about reasonable, would it not be? We read Aaron Moy signed an $850,000 a year as a marquee player, so if you're good enough, you earn your cash. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I think, uh, I, I did, but you know, I didn't realise that the that the averages for rugby and uh, AFL, well, given the, the the amount of TV rights money that's in those games, and we've just had the announcement for the for the rugby, yep, uh, the NRL, and uh, I think the AFL players and the and the rugby players are getting ripped off. <laughs> I think they should, their average should be a lot higher than there's what it is. A lot more people on those. Lists. Yeah, I suppose there is, and and there's a lot more people in those games that need to be. Sorted out too. So, uh, 106 on an average. Uh, well, look, you know, I suppose that's just an average, that's a professional person's wage, isn't it, really? If you're talking about a, a senior teacher out there or, uh, people working in, uh, in industry, uh, uh, g- normal professions would be getting around about the 100 mark, I suppose. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, no, I, I never, <laughs> never worked a real job in my life, Carlos. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm, j- I'm just sort of guessing, uh, if you're looking at professional you know, we're not talking about lawyers and doctors here. We're talking about the next rung down, I suppose, in in salaries. And uh, 100 to 120 would be, you know, a professional person's salary. So I suppose those players would be getting that. But you've got to realise that the lifespan of those players, and if you're on an average salary, chances are you're not going to play for 20 years. Yep, that's uh, true. So you're going to be playing maybe for five or six years. And what do you do after that? So and a lot of these guys have sacrificed... Uh, their their adolescence, uh, investing their time in in their football, and they probably haven't gone to tertiary education. A lot of them probably didn't spend a lot of time concentrating too much on their studies either. Um, I'm not saying that they're not intelligent people, but they've just thrown everything into being a professional footballer. And suddenly by the time they're 28, uh, they're they're looking for life after football and without the skills that everyone would get at 18 or 19 years old. So, you know, 106 probably wouldn't be enough. If that's uh, if that's the situation, Rob's on the road. G'day, Rob. Uh, g'day, guys. Uh, just listening to the interesting conversation there. I'll, I'll play professionally for a hundred grand a year, mate. No problem at all. <laughs> uh, I was only getting twenty bucks when I was running around. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, that aside, I think it'd be a disaster for football, soccer in this country should they get to strike action. I think it's just a threat, personally, and I agree with the uh, previous caller that both parties are to blame. Um, given the game and the growth that we've experienced over the last ten years. The last thing we need is this sort of crap to start uh, bubbling up and then, and, and um, you know, coming to the fore. Uh, the other question in relation to the average payments that you guys were talking about in comparison to the other footy codes, it'd be interesting to see what sort of comparison in terms of the total pie that's available for each of the codes and what percentage actually goes to the players in terms of payments versus the AFL, the NRL and the, and the like. That would be an interesting comparison rather than just looking at the... Uh, Average annual salary, you know, uh, 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 in, in isolation. So yeah, it's a good yeah. point. And you know what? Oh, part of me, I reckon I heard that number too. 
And I don't know what it is, Carlos. I'll try and track that down. I reckon there was a percentage that I heard of what the PFA were asking in terms of revenue from the total revenue in the game. Uh, 30%. For, for, for the 30, players. 30% of the total 30, revenue. Yeah, something around that figure. And, uh, and I think the FFA have come out and said that uh, we'll give you 30% of any increase uh, that comes about from TV rights or whatever. But I think... Now again, I'm just. This is from memory. I could be wrong with the figures, but uh, but so they're still very far apart, as you said earlier, half. So this is the problem. How do you get close when you've met twenty times? You're storming out of meetings. Mm. Uh, you're you're. This is a, a veiled threat that you could go on strike, and you're not anywhere close. This is and what worries me the most. And I know how hard footballers work and and their aspirations and what they invest in their game and and what's on the line for them, given that their careers are so short. Yeah. Um, what worries me if they go on strike, the players are the ones who are going to cut uh, cop the brunt uh, from the people out there. I, I've just got that feeling because oh. I don't know. I don't know of any. Uh, Former strike. I mean, look at the baseball strike in America, and you talk to. I've got a few American friends, and we talk about that sometimes. And baseball players have never recovered from that. Mm. The perception of the of the of that sport and the players. It wasn't about the owners that wouldn't pay it, uh, wouldn't wouldn't come to the party. It was the players that copped the brunt. And that what that was ten years ago. I, mean, I, I don't know how long it was, but it, but it's still the lingering yeah. uh, ill feeling towards the players. And it's uh, and I feel it's going to be the same here. And players are fully justified to fight for their rights. Uh, but I think if they do go on strike, they will be the losers publicly. And that's what worries me. 26 past one on halftime. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us. Don't forget all four boys will be back from 11 p.m. tonight before Diego's. Hey, Rob, by the way, who spoke to us before the break, give us a call back. Going to give you the New York Minute voucher. Mooney Ponds, Williamstown, New Store in Faraday Street, Carlton. But a top 10 burger in Victoria by the Herald Sun. Plus, you get the Pataki ham. And the Cocoa Hydrate as well. Every caller on SEN at the minute gets uh, that. All the winners get that on top. So it's a nice little booty for you. We're talking about the current situation between the FFA and the PFA. Um, and the press release today from the PFA is saying the FFA has taken the unprecedented step of withdrawing recognition of Professional Footballers Australia, the PFA, the exclusive collective representative of Australia's professional football since 1993. Due to take effect on Friday... FFA's decision was communicated to the PFA as negotiations for a new CBA, a lot of uh, acronyms, <laughs> reached an impasse when the FFA terminated the 2007 Memorandum of Understanding, the MOU, that has underpinned the game's relations with its players for the past eight years. Uh, so that's the, the start of that. So has withdrawn recognition. Yeah, that, that, that was a term used by the PFA. Uh, Damien DeBowen's been quoted saying that that's ridiculous. You know, with the MOU... Uh, finishes tomorrow, yep. and they're just looking at. Well, according to the FFA, they're looking at what's in. What it's been going for. A, this is a quite a, uh, an old MOU. It's been two thousand seven. Yeah, that's right. So they're looking at what can be changed in there and updated to current circumstances. Now, I'm not defending the FFA, but that was a media release from the PFA saying that they're no longer recognised as the representatives of uh, of the players uh, in negotiations with the FFA. So they're sort of they're the ones who st- sort of stood back. Uh, and taken it that way. But having said that too, for those people who are going to turn on the players, these are the players who, when they blew up the old NSL for 18 months, they willingly stood aside in the rebuilding of the uh, uh, the de- development and the, the forming of the A-League, and a lot of them didn't have work. They, they stood aside for the good of the game. They didn't have work, and some of them had to go off overseas to try and get uh, football and, or play in the state leagues here. 
So this is where, before people turn on the players, they have made a lot of sacrifices over the years. And I think in the last uh, collective bargaining um, negotiations, they decided not to take an increase in pay or a bigger slice of the cake because of uh, uh, the money being invested in the game and elsewhere. Mm. So they have done this over the years. Now, I don't think that's coming out very strongly right now. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not even saying that they're, that they're uh, entitled to ask what they're asking for either, because I don't know about the circumstances, but the players have made s- sacrifices over the years, and it's obvious now that they're turning around and saying, well, you know, it's time for us to get our fair share. Uh, what's the time, Carlos? Just on that little clock in front of you. What's uh, around about one twenty-nine and forty-five seconds. One twenty-nine. What about this? Just come across my desk. Oh, indeed, you handed it over. This is an email from the FFA at one twenty-five. Okay. Guess who's listening? <laughs> uh, the FFA. This is a statement from the FFA regarding this CBA. Well, a lot of letters here. The FFA is shocked by the inaccuracies of the PFA's media comments of yesterday and today, said FFA CEO David Gallup. FFA continues to be committed to ensuring an appropriate MOU is agreed between the FFA and the PFA as part of the CBA. (laughs) Any assertion that FFA intended to move forward without a CBA or MOU is wrong. The FFA will continue to recognise the PFA, which is your point, Carlos, and the role it plays and it was preparing for an agreed face-to-face meeting with the PFA regarding the CBA this morning, which was cancelled by the PFA after the scheduled start time. The FFA stands throughout the CBA negotiations, has not wavered from its desire to acknowledge the important role of the players in the game's growth by aligning current and future salary increases to the current economic landscape and sustainable growth of the game at all levels. The deal offered to the PFA, if accepted, would deliver the best ever deal for Australian professional footballs across the A-League, Socceroos and Matildas. This comes at a time when A-League clubs face economic challenges and are looking at investing in facilities and academy systems for the long-term future that will see sustainability for decades to come. The fact remains that the current MOU expires this week. Spot on again, Carlos. After eight years, the details of some key aspects are now outdated due to agreed changes over time and need to be altered to reflect the current landscape which the FFA is committed to resolving. Um, goes on for another one there, but finishes off with this. We totally reject the PFA's claims regarding the nature of the negotiations, which from an FFA point of view have always been conducted in good faith and with a desire to reach agreement. And is that uh, signed, signed, Love David? Uh, P.S. Have a great time. Love Dave. Wish you were here. Love Dave. (laughs) That sort of thing at the end. Yeah, yeah. This is ugly. This is it's ugly. Well, everyone's responding. Yeah. We're going to get Adam, as I said, uh, the CA, yep. CEO of the PFA, uh, Adam Vivian, after three o'clock. Did it say in that email that the PFA cancelled their meeting, their meeting after today, it started this morning after the scheduled time? Ooh. So it would have been David and Damien. I don't know who sits in those meetings. And, and it wouldn't have been a Skype call. They would have been there, would sitting have been in the room, waiting, face to face. Agreed to a face-to-face uh, meeting today. The PFA cancelled after. What is going on, really? Fair income. Can I, can I suggest uh, if now, as you know, I'm a players' man. Yeah. I am a players' man. Full stop. Oh, can I suggest, and I'll do this to Adam later on as well, that you don't strike. Mm. That I think that would be the worst possible outcome for the game and for the players in this. Like you were talking about with the baseball one before, I think there is a, is a is an edge at the moment in whether or not there's going to be long-term viability for clubs and the economic status of the clubs was identified and acknowledged by David in that um, email that we just read. There's a lot of tension from club land as to the viability of them being able to operate successfully and financially 
going forward. Mm. There are some real nervous men and women as part of the A-League clubs that I know of well, is Brisbane that are Raw. really concerned about their future yeah, from Brisbane Raw, standpoint. Central Coast Mariners, Newcastle Jets, already in the hands of the FFA, and they're looking for another owner. Queensland, uh, Brisbane Roy, looking for another owner there. The Central Coast Mariners, there's been agitations there for a while now. Um, I think, was it, the, I heard somewhere that Melbourne Victory is the only club that made a profit. Yeah. So, um, now, the PFA do argue, though, that that's just because of mismanagement. And it's, because it's mismanagement, why would, the, why would, why should the players, uh, cop the brunt of that? That's what they're, I'm not defending it, I'm just yeah. saying that's what the PFA is coming out with, too, so. All right, yeah. let's get to Jared and Packham. Uh, we'll move, move on after this, Carlos, I think, and to brighter stories today in the world of football. Hello, Jared. How are you guys? Going well. Um, I just wanted to chime in with um, if if the two parties are meeting and there's been 20 meetings and people are storming out, like you say, surely there's a point where you've got to get to mediation, where you've got to get a third party in to sit between the two of them and, and you know, get to a resolution or, or, you know, work towards that at least. Because there's obviously nothing happening. There's no communication that's sinking in on either end. And uh, when you say that people are storming out, do we know which side of the which side of the fence that's on? No, I don't. No, and that's that. yeah, we, yeah. I don't know who's storming out. I'm, I, I suggest that it might have been both parties at different times in 20 meetings. I don't think it's the same party every time. <laughs> every time. Okay. Well, that, that's my my thought of it is after you've done something 20 times, surely maybe early on in the piece you'd be thinking. We need somebody to come in here and, and, you know, put the points that are, are relevant and make sense to each party across so that they hear it. Because, you know, someone might be getting their nose out of joint and that's why they, they're walking out, but not hearing the full thing through. Mm. Whereas mediation will probably get them to the point where the things that are relevant that each party needs to, or trying to get across, actually, you know, they get, they get the, the exposure to it as required. Well, that would seem to be the mature way to handle it, but there doesn't seem to be that going on at the moment. We've got 20 meetings, Carlos, and we're still storming. <laughs> um, then there's something wrong with the whole process, as Jared points out. I think there's 20 meetings over two years. There's only 24 months in two years. So they've they had a meeting every month. That's a lot. Not to mention ones that have been cancelled. <laughs> That's right. So I, I, I don't understand. I understand you can debate with all your passion and all your soul and you get your point across for people you represent. Right, but why is it getting personal? This shouldn't get personal. Should, I mean, should it? Oh, look, I've never, I've never been the head of a union mm. who's representing the livelihoods of of the of the people who you know who are part of the union. So maybe it, it does get like that. But uh, if you're trying to get a collective bargaining agreement, an agreement, yeah. a partnership—that's what we're talking about here. Why is it getting personal? And why cannot they? Why can't they get closer here? I mean, they all, knowing both parties, knowing the people involved both parties, they all love the game. They're all here for the betterment of the game. So why, after 20 meetings, are we still getting this? Carl Alberto Diago is with us 20 to 2 on half time. We're talking the world game. So much going on that you'll have to hang over till 11 p.m. tonight to get the full gist of it with the four Diagos. A big show coming up. The hot topic tonight is beauty. Make sure you tune in <laughs> for that as well, Carlos. Tell me, uh, the FFA Cup continued last night, Carlos, and we had... Four games, and we had plenty of A-League teams in action too. Yeah, against each other too. Uh, West Sydney Wanderers versus Brisbane Raw, 1-0 to West Sydney Wanderers. And, you know, there's people who love the, the romance of the FFA, FFA, FFA Cup. Let's, let's double it here by having Gol Gol Mabratu 
the guy who who left uh, Melbourne City to go to West Sydney Wanderers and in his first game did his knee last season, oh, out yeah, for 12 yeah, months. Yeah. It was in the first 10 minutes of the game or something. Did his knee. Real serious concerns about his future. Comes good, plays last night, gets the winner. Gets the winner. Gets the winner. And, uh, you know, it's not his fault that he was born with this unfortunate name, given this unfortunate goal goal, because he's got to score two goals every, <laughs> every game, not the one, to justify the name. So, uh, but good on him. Uh, that's a 1-0 for West Sydney Wonders. And they were the team that were knocked out uh, in um, in uh, shocking – it was a shock last year against Adelaide City, remember? Uh, Louis, uh, the kid who scored the goal for Adelaide City. Oh, look, our listeners would know. I don't have this in front of me. But Adelaide City, the state league team, beat West Sydney Wanderers in Adelaide. Um, and uh, Love. Was it Thomas Love? Thomas uh, Love, the love machine, maybe. Yes, yes and he scored, yep. he scored this great goal, dribbling past uh, oh, the three yes. or four West Sydney Wanderers, and it's a cracker. And uh, they they went on to win that game, so they were knocked out in the early stages, but they've gone now through the, the, the round of sixteen. So they're one 0 winners over Brisbane Raw, Newcastle Jets, and Perth Glory. This went to two all after full time, and Perth Glory won four three on penalties. Central Coast Mariners was Wellington Phoenix. Well, I'm not sure whether Wellington Phoenix were part of this last year. I don't remember much no, about it. No, I don't it, but, think they were. But anyway, they're in. They, they won one nil. Um, and unfortunately, Central Coast Mariners. Paul Izu, uh, Izzo, uh, a boy who uh, they've picked up as a young goalkeeper, had a nightmare last night. He had a heavy touch. Oh, and uh, the young boy, touch. yeah, the heavy touch. You know, it's good for a big target man, a buffeting target man, to have a heavy touch, but the goalkeeper should not have, have a heavy, a heavy touch. touch. Had a heavy, t- heavy touch, and Appiah came around and scored a goal for West, uh, for no. Wellington Phoenix. And I think Appiah was on debut for Wellington Phoenix, so that was a good result for him. And of course, Oakley Cannons, our only, our very own Oakley Cannons, played the far north Queensland Heat. Go the Heat. And, uh, they won all after full time. No, we want the Cannons to win. What was that, sorry? We, we want the Cannons to win, don't we? The Oakley Cannons. Absolutely, yeah. yeah so yeah, they won 5-4 on penalties. Great. In the 93rd minute, you think you've uh, you've done pretty well. In the 93rd minute, into extra time, Dean Piamonte oh, scored a fantastic set-piece goal. Uh, but uh, Jamie Gosling, in the 119th minute, which is deep into extra time, got the equalisers. That's why we went to penalties. But good on Oakley. Uh, it's a, it's you know, at least the state league teams coming, or the national premier league teams coming through, and in the last sixteen, suddenly, um, you know, they could cause a few upsets there. So that means now, Carlos, we're through the round of thirty-two. Yep, we're now into the round of sixteen. Sixteen, and so it'll, that'll start be next annou- week. It's going to be announced this afternoon. They'll do the draw this yep. afternoon, righto? And uh, we'll get the matchups there. Okay, good news. Good news. Well done to all those teams, Carlos. We have an SMS here who is saying, I'm forever blowing bubbles. <laughs> yes. At least for a week before you fly so high, says Gaffer. Absolutely. West Ham beat Arsenal uh, at the Emirates on the weekend. At the Emirates. Uh, it shocked me. You know, to tell you, so I... Did you have a spring in your pants? Uh, uh, spring in the pants? <laughs> Snap in the shorts? <laughs> spring in the heels. Right. Okay. And the thing is, and I apologise to all the Hammer fans out there, because I'm a, a Hammer, but I don't go on about it all the time, because I get disappointed by them so much. But uh, I didn't actually stay up and watch that live. You didn't? No, no. So, look, I apologise. Season I'm, opener. I'm admitting to that. But I did tape it, and when I heard the result uh, you know, in the morning, mm. I couldn't believe it. 2-0 away from home. But look, Arsenal had like something like 70% of the ball, and they, you know, they had a lot of you know, chances on goals. But 2-0 away it's a smacking. for West Ham against Arsenal, 
Uh, that's huge. And uh, Arsenal fans out there, are you feeling it's going to be another year of underperformance? Or is it just the one game, you give them that, and they'll be right from now on? Or flip that, Carlos. Let's be glass <laughs> half full sort of action. West Ham no. fans, is this no, the no, year? No, no, it's not. Are we going to <laughs> Champions not. League? Is this our year? It's I want to know. No, no, it, it, it's not, but it, it's, it's good that <laughs> no, we get... But you're forever we've got to get, in pain. We've got to get to the 40 points, all right? This contributes us to get to the 40 points, which staves off relegation, and then we can go into the mid-table mediocrity that we normally go into, and I'll be happy with what that. What wins it? What wins it normally? How many points? Oh, it really depends. Um, oh, gee, I, We're talking 60, shall we? Oh, no, no. I, I think, you know, I, well, look, I, to tell you, I'd be guessing. I'd right. be guessing. There's 39 games, uh, you know, uh, three points per game. So what we're looking at, uh, 120 points available, something around about that figure. And I reckon they're around about your 80, 70 or 80 points are the, are the teams that lose only a few games. So, uh, and draw a heap and whatever. So right. I, I don't have, I don't have the figures in front of me, but, uh, but 40 points. Around about that figure is what teams who probably start the season thinking we need to stave off relegation. Uh, that, that's a, that's a target they nearly uh, usually go for. Right, Brett's in Cranbourne North. I, I, I'm disappointed. He's an Arsenal man. I want some more West Hammers on the line to tell me how good they are. That's what <laughs> I want. But Arsenal will do for now. Brett, good afternoon. Hi, right, Daniel. How are you going? Good, buddy. How's he going? Good, mate. Uh, look, I, I'm a gutter. I was look. Uh, kudos to West Ham, they, they outplayed us, they did what they... But seriously, that was the worst displaying of goalkeeping I've ever seen from Peter Cech. Mm. It's like, he got... It's like a conspiracy that Mourinho sent <laughs> to Arsenal just to screw us over <laughs> and to sort of say, and Mourinho to say to Wenger, there you go, one one nil for me. Yeah. It's Yeah, but he's been he's been pretty good during the uh, friendlies in the off season, though, Brett. So don't don't worry too much about that. And the other talk is, uh, Arsenal's changed his, and we talked about this last week. He's changed his view about how he's going to build his team. They're actually he's looking for proven players now, and there is talk about Benzema from uh, uh, from Real Madrid. They're going to go hard for him, and we saw him here in Australia, and he's a good player. He's a he's a really good player. He's you know he's a He'd be playing first team, first eleven football with Real Madrid this season. So if they go and get him, yep. uh, that that's suddenly they're he's showing his intent. He's he's serious about uh, really challenging Chelsea and Manchester City. And with a player like Benzema, you, you never know. And if Özil really plays the, the football that we know he can play, and all the other really talented young guys, suddenly they 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 have got a team that can go well. This is just a hiccup. Don't worry. It's just a hiccup. Don't play down the hammers, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be perennially disappointed. I'd be perennially excited. No, I, I about what a season offers. A new season offers, Carlos. Don't don't get me wrong, half. I'm excited, but with them, it's like an eternal lid on it. They could they could be fourth ah. going to Christmas, and I'd worry about relegation. Well, we still. know you don't believe in the upper Christmas form anyway, <laughs> so true. that would be no good for them. Now, I know there's some unrest overseas in the EPL, even though we're only one game into what's going to be a very long season, Carl. Mm. Not from your West Ham fans who are up and about <laughs> blowing bubbles, or even the Arsenal fans, but from uh, Chelsea fans, because Eva Carnero, the uh, the world-famous uh, physics doctor mm. um, for Chelsea, has been, she's going to be taken off the field. She's not going to be sitting on the bench with Jose anymore. He's not happy. Not, not, no training sessions either. No training either. No. no. So She's a club doctor still. Do you, you want to explain what happened? Well, you better explain what happened. But I'm, I'm keen, just put yeah. an APB out to Melbourne City and yeah. Melbourne Victory, that if she can't get a gig at Chelsea, then yeah. 
I'm sure she'd be welcome. Yeah, look, if you've got your phone, internet-capable phone, you've got your iPad, you've got your computer, Google this right now. Mm. Eva Canero, C-A-R-N... E-I-R-O. And just look for a medical credential. Okay. That's all yeah, you need to you know, look just look, yeah, look at the, uh, the qualifications. Qualifications, all you need to know. Quite possibly, and this is, you know, apologies to my beautiful wife at home, but oh dear. Uh, she's quite, quite possibly the most attractive doctor in the world. Is your wife a doctor? No, no, she's not. You don't have to apologize. Uh, yeah, no, occupational therapist, though, close. <laughs> uh, and on not the weekend, the, I, I she, she copped. More impressed with her qualifications. She copped, she, she copped the, the, the spleen of, uh, Jose Mourinho on the weekend because Courtois, the goalkeeper for Chelsea, got sent off. They were down to 10 men late in the game. Right. Hazard hits the ground. Uh, and well, the doctors, why? as a, well, I know, you know, hit the ground and he's writhing around and, uh, and of course the doctors are on alert. They get up. Okay. It's time for us to get in action. They go into the field. Of course, when you're attending to someone and, you know, he's, they're all right, you've got to actually walk off and the player's got to stand on the sideline until he's let back on the ground. Right. Suddenly Chelsea's down at nine men. Nine. Okay. And, uh, and, and of course, uh, Jose lost it on, uh, after the game saying, my staff, uh, Naive, they, they, they should have known that the play wasn't injured. They, they well, what was he have doing got... on the ground then, Carlos? Well, that's the thing, you know. For me, the doctor's job, Jose, and I love Jose Mourinho, but the doctor's job is not to read a player's mind. He hits the ground, he, he acts like he's been shot, you've got to get out there and give him whatever you need, whatever he needs. That's the job of the, for me, that's a great medico. It's her job. To look after the attractive or unattractive, it's a it's a job of great. I had noticed that. I was just more impressed with the qualifications, yeah. Carlos. So, and I read this story from the Telegraph in the UK, and it's understood that your man Jose is not happy, yeah. Jose. That while Carnero will remain Chelsea's first team doctor, she will not attend attend training sessions, I know. games, mm. or enter the hotel. Yep. So what's the point of her being the doctor? Yep. I don't think she'll be doctor too long. Does it mention massages? Does well. If you're not entering the hotel, yeah. where are you going to do that? Yeah. You can't do that at training all the games or the hotel. Yeah. There's no massaging going on. Yeah, I, I'm really surprised. I think there's more to it because uh, Eva's been at the club for a while. You know, she's actually got her own fan club uh, around I'm, the world. I'm not surprised. Facebook pages, thousands of thousands of followers she's on Twitter and stuff. Purely on her qualifications. Absolutely. And, uh, and so she's been at the club for a while. And I believe, and people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe she, she was there in the first stint Jose had when he was winning things for Chelsea three or four years ago. So she's just a bit of an institution at that club. And she's really, I mean, a club like that wouldn't have an incompetent doctor involved. So I reckon something's going on. Mm, all right. Something's going on for Jose to publicly, uh, you know, really uh, castigate her to the point where, you know, her, her competence is being questioned here. I say no way, Jose. Steve's in Cranbourne. G'day, Steve. Hi, boys. Um, big United, Man United fan here. Just a bit bewildered with the, their transfer signings this season. Like, out of, after last season, we were screaming for a centre-back and we lost our VP, and so we're screaming for a centre-forward too, and just midfielders, all, all transfer period. What's going on? Yeah, look, they, they were really going hard after Sergio Ramos. Um, there, Steve. And, uh, and there was a lot of talk that he may have even transferred while he was here in Australia with Real Madrid, so... Uh, that, that's your centre half. But look, Lou Van Gaal's looking for a high quality player. Yep. And, uh, and look, in the meantime, Chris Smalling and, and whoever else has got in the reserves there, uh, will do the job for him. But he's just waiting for the right player. And there's talk, uh, of some big names, perhaps, uh, joining, uh, Man U Pedro from Barcelona, who scored overnight in the, uh, Super Cup. 
So, uh, look, don't worry. They'll get their players.